Hello, everyone. How are you doing today? Great. Good to hear. Good to hear. My name is Ray Cruitt, and I am the business librarian at Enoch Pratt Free Library. And uh, we have had a, a very nice relationship with PNC Bank. We've done some podcasts with them in the past, and they've always been very interesting and informative. And as the uh, Enoch Pratt Library, um, we are very invested in uh, entrepreneurs and helping business people um, run their business, do research for their business. We have a lot of resources for business people here. And this is one of the resources I, I think we, we like to offer. So what we're going to be doing today, we're going to be talking with three business owners, women business owners, and we're going to also have a person represent PNC. His name is Ramsey Harris. He's going to be doing an interview, the interview for the podcast. So with that in mind, I would like to introduce Ramsey Harris. Thank you, Ray. And uh, again, I'm Ramsey Harris with PNC. I'm a business banker with PNC, and I also uh, lead our market in Greater Maryland and in the Baltimore uh, demographic with uh, our Loader Modern Income Business Banking Initiative. And so I want to thank each of you for participating in the forum uh, this morning. Uh, as you know, PNC recently conducted a national survey of women business owners uh, to obtain information about the economic outlook of their business. And so this discussion really is going to be centered around that survey and how you as uh, women business owners and minority business owners feel the, the economy has or hasn't affected your business and, and your line of work. So with that said, I'd like uh, all of us to go around the, the horn here, and I'd like to you all to introduce yourselves uh, as business owners and women in business. Hi, I'm Rosalind Hosey. I'm the owner of Studio 7, the salon located in Mount Vernon. I'm here to represent the salon industry. Hello, my name is Marlene Johnson. I am an attorney here in Maryland, and uh, we have an office, the law office of Marlene A. Johnson, PC, providing both uh, corporate and personal representations to businesses and also to clients. We have two offices, one located in Baltimore City and one located in Baltimore County. Hello, my name is Claretta Rideout. I'm the owner of Daquan's um, General Contracting Services, located here in Baltimore, Maryland. We have two offices. We formerly were at 1120 North Charles Street, just down the street from the bank, which was a great access to us. We're also lo located in Baltimore County. We've been in business for over 14 years, and we have experiences so many different ups and downs in the business. I think that we do have something to bring to the table to speak about this economy and the effect on women-owned minority businesses. I'm glad to be here today. Thank you, ladies. We're very happy for you to be here. And so uh, Mrs. Rideout um, gave us a good segue for us to jump right in. And so I'll ask each, each of you this question. Would you say you are optimistic, uh, moderately optimistic, or pessimistic or not so sure about the local economy, and we'll put a part B to that, and even overall the U.S. economy. So, Rosalind, let's start with you. I'm very optimistic. Um, I just relocated my salon from Federal Hill. I went from a 300-square-feet, three-chair salon to now a 1,200-or-so-square-feet, six chairs. We're open seven days a week. Um, the move was necessary. We were in a situation where the salon areas were overpopulated in Federal Hill, and there was a hard time marketing. So we had um, someone from Downtown Partnership come in and visit and say, hey, we think it a good, your business would fit Mount Vernon because you're diverse and you have a lot of skill with all textures. So we did that, and it's been a month, and um, we've had 35 walk-ins. So I'm very optimistic. I'm even looking into expanding soon. So um, I'm excited. Um, yeah, I believe the economy has affected people's services, but we've done some different things. Like we're kind of grouping some packages together to give the client a better incentive to make the best out of their service when they come instead of spacing them out and making sure that we keep retail in hand to give us that extra boost of um, income. Yeah, so I'm very optimistic. Attorney Johnson, how about you? I am actually very optimistic. Um, I think recently the jobs report was put out, and there is significant growth within our economy um, and also a significant increase in the number of jobs that were created in the last 
period. So I think that we as a country are in a great place. I think that business owners need to be very conservative, though, in how you approach this growth. So even though I'm optimistic and I know and I can see that the economy is growing, I think that business owners should be very cautious in how you approach that growth because, of course, everything in life is circular. So as you will have ups, you will have downs. And so as we come out of this recession and we go forward and grow, I think that we need to do more things taking into account the past recession and how we can make sure that this growth allows us to be able to sustain ourselves over a long period of time. Thank you, Attorney Johnson. And Mrs. Rideout, how about you? Well, I'm very optimistic also. However, um, being as optimistic as a person as I am and enthusiastic and passionate as what I do in my business services, I see the economy not so much as growing fast. I see it as um, far as women own in business. I think it's a great opportunity for us as women to be in business. Um, however, it's still some hurdles we have to grow. You know, depending on what your industry, if it's hair, you know, then then you you got a great opportunity. If it's in a legal term, you know, the waters are kind of muddy, but then you always have someone that you can represent. But when you're in the construction management industry, as I am, you're entering into a world of predominantly male uh, run. And as a woman, that makes me very, very optimistic but far as growth, it's always a trying time. For every opportunity that I am successful, I have to go back to square one. Does that deter me? No, it makes me more exciting because I have always been a woman who always break the barrier. And, you know, I did it in my past career as a law enforcement. I did it in corrections, and I was very successful. So on them terms, yes, I can say I'm passionate, I'm enthusiastic. But the economic growth, I'm very leery. I don't know where it's going because, you know, we're about to change our political um, strategy as being from a Democratic-run nation to almost a Republican-run nation. And I'm still kind of sitting back, looking back to see where that's going to affect us as women-owned and the strength and the power that's going to be behind to support us. Thank you, ladies, for your, your insight. Uh, We'll go right into the next question, which uh, really piggybacks off the, the previous question. Let's talk a little bit about uh, sales impact. Uh, during the next six months, do you expect that your company's sales and revenue will maybe increase, uh, decrease, or remain the same? And when we talk about sales, your profitability, uh, your revenue. Uh, so let's start with there. Rosalind? Well, talking with my accountant, we did some projections. Um, it's according to our marketing strategy, um, how well we're being received. Coming from a very um, repressed business in Federal Hill, um, to see the, the enthusiasm of the neighborhood is just excited to have us there. I'm expecting um, a definite increase in profitability. But considering where I'm coming from with that big dip, I will probably remain the same on paper. So what I'm looking at maybe by the end of next year, instead of the six months saying that I'm going to be profitable, I'm going to say I'm going to be even compared to where I was. But six months after that, I'm expecting to at least be 20% or more. And I'm kind of watching my budget really being effective. Um, we did, like I said, increase some of our prices. And then we decreased a lot of them if you did more than one service. So we find that more people are opt to do more things if they had more of a package still. So we're, we're still looking at that. Retail sales-wise, we're looking to do great retail numbers because there is no beauty supply store professional in Mount Vernon that will offer what we offer. So that's where I'm looking at the numbers right now. Thank you, Rosalind. Mrs. Rideout? Yes, I'm also enthusiastic about my sales. Um, you know, for the first three months, we probably will main, remain where we are. Mm -hmm. But um, for the next three months to six months, we will greatly increase our profit revenue. We see that it will be growing. More businesses will be coming into the door. And we are actually entering a market and going into the federal government arena. And that's where we see our growth will be coming from. Thank you, Claretta. And Marlene? 
Likewise, we're looking um, at a significant growth. And one of the things that we looked at in terms of, because I think all of us here at the table, we were talking before starting, and we were saying how within this year, we've all made a change in terms of location. And so when you change a location, there is a significant opportunity for growth, and you do project growth. But as Rosalind said, you want to make sure that you're able to create stable growth. And so one of the challenges um, that we have is being, being able to really, really pinpoint exactly how much growth we can experience in this new area. Um, because for 14 years, my office was located in Charles Village and, um, on Maryland Avenue, and we have since added a location because of the growth. Um, and so now we're sitting and we're, I'm planning with my staff, how are we going to attack this growth in the upcoming year? And one of the challenges is, okay, well, now that we're in this new space, how can we get new clients? What are we doing to market it to make sure that we're able to see growth that's just not a, I guess, an, an inflation based upon um, excitement, but something that will constitute consistent growth that will follow us year to year? Well, speaking of growth, uh, ladies, I want to segue a little bit deeper into this uh, conversation um, about sales and profitability. Uh, would you say as a result of growth it seems that that in all of your industries and your particular companies you're experiencing some form of growth would you say then that the demand for your products uh, or services are increasing um, or are, do you see some type of decrease or does it remain the same uh, and let me piggyback on that if you have suppliers as a result are, are their charges to you um, as the buyer uh, decreasing increasing or remaining the same Ms. Rodat, how about you first? Well, to answer on your question, I see, let's start with the, um, I'm going to start with the suppliers and, and, and their demands. Um, in the construction industry, we will hit another uh, increase. You know, in material, it'll be a 20% increase. And other supplies, like in framing and drywall, because that's some of my industry, there will be a 10%. So we're always, whether our company receives a, a great increase, material supplies because of the economy does not change. So that's always increasing. So you always have to figure out a way how to increase your revenue. As far as my um, company experiencing um, an increase, increase in revenue, yes, we have. We've greatly increased. We went from um, 2011-2012 to a company making uh, $500,000 to a million dollars. We're now a multi-million dollar um, company. And I want to give a lot of that is because of the resources. One of our resources, as, as you know, women in business um, and even minorities in business, getting financial security and backing and revenue and having access to it is some, some uh, it's really very difficult. Mm-hmm. And um, many years ago, I want to go back to about 2010, I met a, a small business banker from PNC And when she met me, she heard me giving some kudos to another bank. And she said to me, you know, how can I get your, um, that loyalty? When I heard you speak about this bank, I said, well, you know what? Up until this day, you know, women have had many problems with having banks to support them. And she said, you tell me what we need to do and we will be there. So I said, I made her wait about three months. She called me for interviews. And she did. She And I told her, I said, well, if you really want to talk to me, you come to me. And then I gave her a challenge that I did not believe that she could meet. And she actually did it in less time. I thought it would take her two months. She did it in two weeks. And what that was is line of credit. And that's for you ladies also. You need to realize that one of the main problems for increasing or decreasing our business is your business financial support. And if you don't have the ability to borrow and create lines of credit, that will greatly affect your increase or your decrease. Mm -hmm. And that has been the reason why Daquan's has continuously, in this depression, we grew through the depression. You know, a lot of companies closed the door, and I was one of the companies that everyone expected their doors to close because I was a small, mm-hmm. female, minority, general contractor. 
and I jumped out in faith mm-hmm. right at the when that depression hit and it just stayed there and I took small baby steps and we just grew grew and now we are grossing about three million and we're looking to go to five million with the coming year so I will say you know we definitely did the increase but the homework had to be done you need the financial and you know as women it's hard for us to borrow to grow Mm -hmm. because we have the ability to be so detailed Mm -hmm. and we are so cautious about how we spend our money or borrow money but in in order to sustain your business passion you're going to have to be able to borrow money to do it because you cannot grow without it thank you miss rideout and um Ms. Johnson, Attorney Johnson, again, the same questions. Uh, as a result of growth, are the demand for your products and services changing, increasing, or even decreasing, or remaining the same? And as a result, uh, are are the prices that you're charging your clients going up, uh, or vice versa? Do you see yourself uh, uh, spending more capital, increasing your capital spending, and, and then having to, as a result, charge more for your services i will say that that the demand has definitely increased um it it actually fluctuates because we are a full service law firm which means that we practice the majority of the different areas of law we're able to overall remain kind of consistent and experience growth however there are certain industries where um the demand has increased dramatically um the demand for business representation has increased dramatically. It did hit a low during um, the period of the recession, the height of the recession, because people were not going into business. And then you have other areas that we have experienced substantial growth um, in bankruptcy. We've ex- both business and personal. We've experienced substantial growth. And then also in um, what I call the permissible areas of law, which are things like personal injuries, things that are needed, um, those things that come periodically, um, we have been able to see growth. We um, we set our targets based on what we have seen in the past and what we see as trends. Because a lot of things are changing within the legal community, our prices have also increased and the the cost that we have associated with it. Um, this year, uh, bankruptcy fees went up, and so we have to increase our fees to our customers in, in connection with that. Um, and also there is now a move, as we have seen in the medical field, it is now doing the same in the legal field. There is a movement from manual um, case management, meaning having a paper file, used to be days where you would see an attorney carry a big luggage rack into court. Now you see an attorney carrying an iPad or a computer into court. Um, and that as a, is a result of the transition, even within the court systems. The federal courts have done it, and it has been that way for a couple of years. However, um, the state courts have now started as of November of this year to accept in Anne Arundel County in certain circumstances elect electronic filing and that is moving across the state and so we as attorneys have to keep up because we're no longer um, going to be able to go into the court and file we're gonna have to do everything like electronically so that means that instead of keeping paper files we now have to keep electronic files and that is a huge learning curve for us attorneys that love paper um, and even just something as simple as trying to find a way to manage all of those documents and the people that are necessary to make sure that everything is in the system and so that has affected our prices um, and so we have um, had to make adjustments um, but the clients are happy with the adjustments um, and they are moving um, in that direction with us they like the fact that now as opposed to having to be able or having to call and request a document it take a week for it to get to them they like being able to log into their system or their account on our system and be able to download what they need immediately or to access the information they need immediately and so I think that even though our costs are increasing and our prices are increasing. The quality of our service is increasing. And I think to the clients, they like that better. Thank you for your insight, uh, Attorney Johnson. And uh, Mrs. Rosalind uh, Halsey, mm-hmm. uh, could you give us some insight as far as the retail industry and the, the beauty uh, industry is concerned about uh, demand for your products and services? And as a result, are you finding yourself spending more capital? 
having to make up for that with increasing your pricing for your clients or are you seeing a decrease or are things staying the same? What does it look like in your world? Basically, as um, far as um, consumers, what I've done is, um, and you hear me say that the price, we made it more package friendly. That did not mean that we lowered our price. It just made a play on words. And what I find is that um, in the service industry, people that were splurging really want to be simplistic today but still have the best option of service. So what we did was um, we didn't decrease our product. We just said if you get more, it kept our bottom line down, but it also allowed them to buy more services. So that example would be someone that wanted a haircut that was coming in maybe three times a year, we partner with them and say, well, you can get your color done, a basic color and a haircut, and we can see you um, every six weeks, which we're getting about three to four more visits from that guest. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it, it's we're getting more visits, but the client feel as though I'm getting a more bang for the buck. So what we did was, um, and far as um, is there demand for our service, I think people want to look good. I do. I think it makes them feel good, and that's why I really changed my model of my salon. It's about service. Um, I think people will splurge a little bit more when they feel appreciated. Um, I feel that, you know, we do more than just hair. We're a complete salon. Our salon is Studio 7, which means complete in the Bible. And we want to provide everything that client need. Now, as far as our uh, people we buy our merchandise from, no, they have not decreased. They have actually went up, I want to say, 5%, which is a lot in buying shampoo and conditioner. I'm seeing that they're making the bottles smaller. We used to have a 33-ounce. Now we have something like a 27-point-such-and-such-ounce. Or we may have a large shampoo and a very small conditioner. And clients are really, you know, like, okay, what's going on here? But um, it's just a play of words. And we say that we find that more consumers are having more conditioner at the end of the um, package, so we made it where you get the best use out of your service. So, um, far as that, I believe that this industry has grown so much. I mean, when I started, I was 12. Um, I worked at a lot of salons. This is my sixth salon I've ever owned, but my first, second real business because I did get funding. So, you guys are absolutely right. I could not do this move without funding. I could not. I couldn't even think to expand and support myself for this region without the funding. Um, I have not did any marketing yet, so I'm looking to use your resources at the library to kind of help us to find effective marketing because I find that people like fluff, and I'm not a girl of fluff. I want to know who you are. Everybody is not my client, and I understand that. We do have the soccer mom. We have the professional businesswoman. We have the college kid. We have the senior, and we have people that specialize in those services. So um, everybody is our client, but then again, everybody is not. So um, we just have to buffer. You know, you just have to become creative and people really want to see where their money is going. You know, the effectiveness of be open seven days a week. I'm a church girl. I belong in church on Sundays, but my salon is seven days a week because we're finding there's a need for convenient service. So people want convenience. They don't want to be in a salon all day. Um, They want a nice atmosphere. They want the extras, but they don't want to pay. So we have to create that illusion. And we are. So I'm excited about that. Thank you, ladies. Great answers. Great insight. Want to divulge more into now uh, kind of specific ways within the next six months that you feel that you're at all likely to start or even continue uh, thinking of ways to maybe improve your cash flow, uh, as we alluded to earlier, um, which is a great segue, maybe seeking additional funding uh, for the business or for your business or um, thinking of expanding or extending your business. Uh, So let's start there. Uh, Who'd like to go first? Rosalind? Mm -hmm. So um, capital funding is very necessary, definitely, because it gives us that freedom to provide at home as well as support the business. Um, This is my first time ever inquiring funding, and I've been in business for over 32 years. And I found that having that little bit of support allows me freedom to create without the pressure so um, far as funding, yes, I would love to have more funding to kind of help with stabilizing what's necessary. Like now we are more opt to buy iPads because people like the convenience of something in their hand while they're being serviced. Um, 
just little things that will help me be strong in business. I know right now I have an attorney and I have an accountant that I have to pay every month. But when it's time for funding, they were on it. When I needed that information, it was sent. Um, Speaking of where I am now, I did not include nails at this location because I felt like people chose hair or nails. And then because we have a lot of Korean or Asian descent salons, I didn't see where that would fit my business demographic. But, however, I had 42 visits in a month. Are you going to put nails in here? Are you going to put nails in here? Are you going to put nails in here? To me, that is a plus to expand. So I am going to provide that service because I thought that they had capitalized the industry of nails. But people don't want that service. They want professional, high-end, clean, consistent service. So now that's my expansion point, and I'm hoping to do it within by February. Thank you, Rosalind. Mm-hmm. And uh, how about Marlene? Why don't you go next? Um, yes, we are looking to expand and to increase the cash flow. I think Rosalind gave some very good points. Let me first commend you. In terms of your expansion, you're doing, I've been representing clients and business owners in expansion for 15 years. And you're doing from what I hear, you're doing the right things and approaching it in the correct way. So I want to commend you for that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it doesn't. But that's when you know you have a plan and you need to stick to your plan. But as it relates to how we're looking to increase cash flow, I think that talking about financing in this climate is very very, very important because what financing does is it allows you to stabilize. With any business, you're going to have peaks and valleys. And so um, you want to make sure you take into account those peaks and valleys and you want to make sure that the financing is there to allow you to go ahead and sustain yourself during that time. And then uh, looking forward to um, trying to find out where new areas and new niches exist in your industry. So now a lot of people are getting into doing business again. And so trying to work with businesses and expansion after this recession. So that's something that we're looking at, looking at new areas of the law. And then also looking at um, helping people who don't necessarily want to come into the office. Now so much is done online. And unfortunately, Rosalind can't do that. And also, um, my sister here in the construction industry, you have to go to somebody's house to fix something. (laughs) However, with the legal industry, that is a new area. People want to be able to call their attorney. They don't want to have to come in. And so we're doing things now like we're talking to people on Skype. To have the initial consultation because they don't want to come into the office because they figure I got to pay gas to get in the car to come to the office. Um, We accept online payments now, which is something we weren't doing before. All of these things contribute to increasing in cash flow. And we're also expanding into other areas of Maryland and even other states. And so even that technology part does help with us increasing our cash flow. Mrs. Rideout, and we'll ask you the same question within the next six months. Do you see yourself uh, likely to start or continue thinking of ways to improve your cash flow, maybe upgrading or adding technology to help with uh, customer experience, as uh, Rosalind and, and, and Attorney Johnson mentioned previously, and even ways to help improve efficiency of the operations of your business? Yes, we do plan on increasing our technology division. We need to buy new equipment as far as notebooks, laptops, and even some desktops. Um, I'm even looking at getting a new server because the last time that I purchased any equipment was back in 2011. But another thing that we update and got access to as far as helping us increasing our cash flow, we looked into cash flow. Ramsey, what is the cash thing? Cash flow insight. Cash flow insight at PNC Bank. And what this has done for me has opened the doors. You know, I heard you when you mentioned that you accept online payment. Well, let me tell you something. With cash flow insight, you can actually send invoices out and receive payment. All you have to do is just, and it goes out in the form of email. It just opened up my world as far as getting my cash flow faster, you know, um, with this. And I do a lot of local municipalities, um, state government, and federal government. And sometimes they do credit card processing. And with some of the tools that PNC has, I have been able to really hone in and make 
the best use of getting my cash faster. So yes, we do plan on increasing because we're looking at going to the clouds and having our clients be able to pull files and things like that. So yes, we are also looking at that. Will we be seeking um, extra funding? Of course, we'll be coming back to the bank to get the funding and because we like how you work with the client. You know, I've been working with PNC, as you heard, at 2011, and it has, I think, one of their best marketing person when it comes to other small and minority businesses. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always telling them to go to PNC. You know, I, I used to send them to another bank, mm -hmm. but after working and finding out the different tools, I started pointing people and friends to there. So far as me growing and looking at eliminating and reducing my business, I don't see in the near future of me eliminating. I do see that I have a need for expansion. We are currently looking for a partnership. We're looking to either assume a smaller company who and or team up with a smaller company who's looking to grow. It may be in one of our self-performing industry, and we self-perform the painting and the drywall. And so we're looking for a company who's looking to expand but don't have the quite the revenue or the manpower. So, yes, we do plan on expanding in 2015. Thank you, Mrs. Rideout. And let's uh, transition a little bit. We've talked about growth and profitability and cash flow. Um, during the next six months, would you, what would you say, if, if any, and I'm sure you can think of at least one uh, challenge that your business may face, or what would you say would be the most important challenge your business uh, may face? And we'll start with Mrs. Rideout. One of the biggest challenges that I see is through the government industry, the regulation, where it comes as women and minority businesses I think that they need to develop a stronger support system. Mm -hmm. You know, they have some things that they have in place for the MBE, but the MBE business, mm -hmm. which is Minority Business Enterprise, is so diversified. It's to the point that it's watered down. It's not doing any effect. Even some of the offices that they have open for to seek solution and resolution is not working. Um, somehow there's a misconnect and there's a misnomer is that that um, because you want to play in the entrepreneur world that it's all level the playing field. Well, we now see that some of the issues that we minority businesses with found was dealing with with the majority industry has now trickled into the federal, I mean, not the federal, I'm sorry, into the local and state municipality. And it's so blatant, it is actually affecting the bankruptcy of um, different businesses. So, yes, in the government industry, I think that's a very avenue that we need s some support. Uh, and we need for them to reach out to the small and minority, and particularly the women-owned business, and how to make it work better. As far as taxes, taxes is another loophole. And, and I'm saying as far as state government versus federal government, um, you have so many different ways you can pay the taxes. If you're dealing with the state, they want you to pay it in advance. If you're dealing with the federal, they give you different um, avenues to go. So it's not no even level. And then some incidents, um, when you're coming to unemployment and you're dealing with workman comp, you're dealing with these people want this money up front. So sometimes hiring people can be a misnomer because now you're saying to us, okay, you're an entrepreneur, but you hired this person, and even though he hasn't worked a month, we want his taxes before he even gets to work there. So you don't even know if he's going to work. So where the tax incident, that could be an area that's very gray, and it weakens businesses because now we got to fight with how do we come up with the funds? Do we tap into our own line of credit that's helping us to grow the business just to satisfy the tax requirements? And then do you want to hire the people? Or do you want to put them at six ten ninety nines? Because if you got ten ninety nines, then you have less recourses, better recourses, and less responsibility of paying their taxes. 
but better responsibility as far as retaining your money in your pocket to grow your business. Mm -hmm. So that's another way to look at it. Am I right about that, girls? Y'all, you're good, okay? So the next uh, does it weak, weak, weak sales and demands for services. Some services is always a demand. It keeps increasing. But where it's weak at is having financial support. Mm -hmm. Because if I come to you as a local municipality contractor and I agree to do your work for 30 days payment and you take 190 days or slow pay me and then I don't get my full revenue, then you're putting me further in the hole. Therefore, I'm going to have to reach out to Ms. Johnson, to, which is not included in my bid. Mm -hmm. So therefore, my profit overhead and profit, I'm going to have to dip into that funds to hire a lawyer mm -hmm. to go after the funds which reduces my revenue. Mm -hmm. So it's all kinds of things that are out here that have creeped up that wasn't there before. Mm -hmm. So basically, now when you look at far as me in the construction industry, I have to think about this. When I bid to a local municipality, state government, or federal government, do I add in an extra percentage for error and omission, not on my part, but on my government part, it's, you know, it's to make sure that I can financially support who I hire and get the job done and make sure that if I have to fight it legally, that the funds are there that's not coming out of my pocket. So, you know, and all in all, it's always increases, but it's so many probable causes that are coming up that I'm not used to dealing with early in my business I didn't have to mm -hmm. do that I'm fighting it now and it's across the board it's not just construction mm -hmm. she has to deal with it in the hair salon legal if they don't feel like they got the right just um, legal representation it could be a backlash on her so we're all experiencing that well let's hear from a retail and our legal professional so Rosalind a little bit of insight from on your behalf okay so um, I'm glad she brought that up about um, taxes and regulations. One of the things that made me become a W-2 salon was because I had worked for previous salon owners that, quote, unquote, called me a booth renter, an independent contractor. I had gotten so much trouble with taxes that I decided that the next, all of my business I've owned for the last couple of years have been straight up W-2 salons. What that means is I paid um, workman comp for them. They had cost me more money coming in the door than they do make money for me. And um, one of the things of hiring an attorney and an accountant and going back to funding, that took a lot of my profit. Not to mention my husband has been unemployed for five years. So one of the things that got me more interested in being a legal, legit business was every time I would go for funding, it was a no. We frown upon hair salons. You guys aren't really reporting your income. You guys aren't stable. So one of the things I did for the last five years was I took my business 100% pure business on paper. And what it did was it showed that I was a legal bonding business, even though my bottom line, you know, I had a lot of profit and reductions coming out. I still reported all of my income and my biggest expense was payroll. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, my accountant, I believe two years ago, my payroll came up to 90 percent of my income. And it was because I was giving my team 50% of what they were making, not to mention that I supply everything that they use with no deductions. So when she talks about those things, there's no break for the small man. Mm -hmm. There's no break. And then you want to keep it legal because if someone gets unemployed, you want them to be able to collect because being a young mother, raising kids in a hair business, I didn't have that support to fall back on. So I wanted to create that demographic for my salon as an incentive to buy in. So now, the retail-wise, she's absolutely right. So that's the funding that my desire was. It wasn't to buy anything extra. It was just to stabilize the income so I can take money home. So when they said this business don't work, I had to let them know, well, my husband hasn't worked in five years. My mortgage is on time. My bills are paid. My salon is still growing. And I attribute that to great money management. It's, it's been hard. It taught me how to be a little bit more consistent with my spending. Is there a need? Questioning myself, is there a need? Is there a need? If there's not a need, there's no need to buy. So I would definitely agree with having some kind of incentive for businesses 
to really get breaks, you know, really get breaks. I want to hire more people, but I can't even afford to because they cost me more for workman's comp. And now you have this new law with the health insurance. I haven't really figured out how that's going to affect me yet, but I'm sure it's coming soon. So those are the things that I want to provide for my team. You know, so I would say retail wise, yes, and you, those things eat your bottom line would leave you less profitable at the end of the year. So I would say yes, I would love to have some tax support. Now I do pay my taxes quarterly because they're high. You know, being as though Sean didn't work because I'm self-employed, my Social Security is the biggest part of my taxes. So things like that, you know, to kind of get that incentive going to just like okay, the penalties that come with it. It's, it's almost like, wow, am I really considering all of the things that come with it? But I know through prayer this was meant, you know what I mean? So this is what give me the insight to, to do things differently because of the things that I have, you know, dealt with in my own industry prior. Thank you very much. And uh, Marlene Johnson, how about you? Um, I have the good fortune that although I represent my own company, I also, in representing other companies, I get not I not only see the challenges that I face, but I get to see the challenges that other companies face as well. Um, and there were three big challenges that I thought about. One is particularly when we talk about um, minority-owned businesses and um, talking about women-owned businesses. One of the things that um, I think that serves as a big challenge is the way you view your business in light of other businesses. Mm -hmm. There is enough business out here for everybody. There is no reason for anybody to go out of business. I know for me, a lot of times, I'll have to refer cases to other attorneys, either because in my firm we just don't have enough time to do it, or I know of another attorney who, based on the facts, may be a little bit better at this than I am, and I'm willing to share the business. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm willing to share what I learn and share what I experience. When I find out about a good program that helps attorneys, I'm going to send out to what I call my legal eagles. And I say, hey, why don't you check this out? Um, but I think that, and when Rosalind was speaking, I was thinking about my own hairdresser who I love dearly. She was saying that the type of perm that she uses on me, she tried to get um, because it's, it's more a more expensive perm. So what she tried to do was to get five or six, and they have some type of minimum requirement before you can order something to get a lower price. So she tried to get together with four other salons to order that perm together so that they could get that cheaper price. And she said nobody else wanted to do it. Not that they weren't using the perm. They just didn't want to go in with her on the perm, you know, and I thought that was really weird because I'm like, if I can get, get in with Rosalind and get a cheaper price, I would do it. But I, I realized that that sometimes as small businesses, we're always afraid that by giving up our secrets, we'll lose some of the power. And that is not true. There is strength in numbers. The way that small businesses can get some of the um, access and some of the opportunities that big businesses get is by coming together, developing a cons consortium and working together, a partnership, a co-op to purchase so that you're not just purchasing as in with um, Claretta's business, not just purchasing just the drywall you need, but putting together with 10 other businesses so that you can get that cheaper price point. And all of you can put that money back into your business or in your pocket. Um, so that's one challenge I see. The other one is adequately anticipating and planning for the pitfalls in your business. Um, some things you won't see it until it comes, but there are some things that you can see the writing on the wall. And um, I was listening to Rosalind, and it seems like she has a great pulse, her hand on the pulse of her business. And that means sending surveys to your clients regularly to determine what their needs are. And also being a, a, a student of your industry, not just a participant. So making sure you're getting industry manuals and learning about new techniques and things like that so that you can see what's coming. Um, I know about the changes in terms of electronic filing because I am a member of the Maryland State Bar Association. And I make sure, even though I'm busy, 
every time the newsletter comes in, I read the newsletter and participate as much as I can because I want to see what's coming down the pike. I want to participate in it and I want to plan to incorporate that into my business. And then the last thing for business owners, and I'm pretty sure um, that my um, fellow business owners will, will agree, dealing with managing your business as opposed to performing the services of your business. My staff laughs at me because I say I spend more time managing y'all than going to court. (laughs) But it's something that I need to do. And so I have transitioned in a 40-hour work week. I only practice 15 hours. Now, some days, now reali- that's, that's what I target for. Realistically, I practice about, I spend about 60 hours a week working at least. But in a conventional, the way I set my plans up, in a 40-hour work week, I do 15 hours of legal work. The rest of the hours is managing my staff, marketing, getting clients, making payroll, you know, submitting my tax forms, you know, and all of the things, you know, unless I delegate that duty to to someone else. But for the small business owner, doing those things consumes so much of your time. And if you're planning to get into business or to expand business, you have to take that into consideration and you have to make sure you plan that and so now my budget for myself my staff laughs at me everybody got a budget in the bit in, in my firm it's not just me I have a certain amount of hours that I have to work down to the clerical assistant she has a certain amount of hours she has to work and she has to produce because everybody has a budget that they have to meet within the firm and so you want to make sure that you're planning so that when you have those dips you will be able to sustain yourself. Thank you, Attorney Johnson. And so I think uh, one of our final questions, and I think we are leading right into this after the discussion on many topics. Um, I think this is a great question to ask as a follow-up. Within the next six months, uh, how are you planning to invest in your business? Um, I think I talked a little bit more about moving more so to the electronic document storage and moving towards doing more online things. I I think that's how we're investing in the business. We're um, doing things. I think Rosalind talked about getting the iPads, and I'm not trying to get into your answer, but, but those are things that we're also looking into. How can we, as a law firm, when you're sitting in our office, how can you get better? What can you do? Um, we're also looking towards um, expanding into, as I said, into PG County um, and also into Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Delaware. And so we're going to be doing some substantial um, investing there, trying to identify, one, a good location that will service the clients that we have, but not only service the clients we have, but a good place where we can find and new clients and establish new relationships. But I think technology is a big investment that most companies are looking at now, how we can um, better offer services and use technology to increase income over time. Rosalind, how about you? Um, I've been looking at some other things. Um, Being in the industry for so long, I was an educator for Paul Mitchell for years. Um, I have this great desire to one day be the director of state board. But before that time happens, my investment in the salon is going to be a little different. Um, Like you said, scaling back the hours. Because I am the sole provider of my salon, my numbers are really, really strong. I'm a fast worker, so I'm condensing my time. So my passion is the newbies. Just the newbies. Um, I had a great mentor. His name was Willie Hurry. He died, and every person that worked under him is still in the business to this day. So what I want to do is give to that youth what he gave to me. So I'm going to offer in-salon classes for professionals only, somebody that wants to know about the business, maybe wants to be an entrepreneur, own a salon itself the right way, not just a booth rental salon, but a salon that has credibility, branding. I didn't even realize all this stuff that I have until people are like, stop keep saying what you don't have and let's look at all that you have. So my way of bringing in extra money is private lessons for the professional, also um, advanced education, and then networks and within my salon. I've already offered a couple people to use my salon space to hold meetings on like Sundays. It's a slower day. And then um, adding the nail portion to my salon. 
Um, I do have my own makeup line. It's, it had been, you know, kind of sitting for a little while. I have my quote-unquote ones that like my stuff. So now I'm hiring a makeup artist so I won't have to do everything myself to kind of push my makeup out there. So just little things like that that I see that I finally have the location first. And um, with the, you know, the support of financial support, I can actually buy volume and which will allow me to do more instead of waiting for it to come in, get a little bit at a time. You don't want it to go rancid, those kind of things. So I think will help me to increase my bottom line, which will then allow me to actually run every area of my salon and kind of come back from behind a chair because I'm getting older now. Thank you very much. And Mrs. Rideout. My plan is to it's delegate. I plan on working on my business, not in my business. I planned on hiring an, uh, an executive uh, op- VP operation manager who would run my business under me. I'm going to be the president who comes in and manage it overall. I'll be managing director, but I will hire someone to train to actually run my organization. Why I do more training, education, um, um, finding ways to bring uh, business, more business into the um, company. I'm, I'm good at marketing. I'm good at, good at communicating. I will be reaching out to the community and we're going into recruiting more women into the industry because I believe the more that I bring in, the more saturated it will be, the better off it will be for me. So managing and increasing my um, uh, new numbers of uh, people working in my company, I think that will be the avenue that I need to do. Um, my goal is to bring on about three or four additional personnel. I will be looking to PNC and my line <laughs> to actually support the first two years of it. Because, and, you know, when you bring on new people, you have to train them. You know, going back to Ms. Johnson, managing the people is the key part. If you get right personnel, and one of the things as owners, we tend to hold on people too long that we need to get rid of. Mm-hmm. That's one yeah, of the things cool. that, and that's what we need training because we look through our eyes at each individual as ourself, mm-hmm. and sometimes that can be to our own detriment. Mm-hmm. So I, a lot of education, um, delegating my authority of hiring a CO, CO, CFO mm-hmm. and a VP of operation, and then a couple of more personnel. Finding the right fit for an office manager and a clerical. It is so key in in the running of any business because, as you know, there's a lot of unemployment, but there's a reason why there's a lot of um, the numbers in unemployment are high because American is not working. They believe that they're due something. They owed something. They don't want to do what we put in. You know, as entrepreneurs, we go in, we work every avenue. But when you're hiring people to come as, you know, think about even here as a librarian working here, some of the people you get in here, you, you got to turn, it's a major turnover. I tell you, in the year of 2012, I went through 50 employees to get 18 painters. Mm-hmm. And I needed them. And I mean, and, I, and I'm mm-hmm. telling you, believe me, I'm saying 50. I did that in a two-month time frame. Mm-hmm. It, it blew me away. And then I started looking at this unemployment. There's a real reason. So it may even take me to go to a recruiter, mm-hmm. which is hard on you because when you go to a recruiting, they want half of their salary yeah. up front. Yeah. But they are the ones who are going to sort through and get you the right person for your money. So, you know, and after years of trying to do it on my own, recruiting is the way to go. Because mm-hmm. without that, we can, as entrepreneurs cannot stay in our position. If you run and, and work and manage your company, then you own your job. Mm-hmm. J-O-B to me means just over broke. Mm-hmm. That's what it means. Mm-hmm. And guess what? And if you, if you own a business and you're working 40 more hours than you are managing that business, then you own your job. And I never became a business owner to own my job. Right. I came to, 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 to live out a fantasy, a, a, a passion, 
and to create opportunity not for myself but for others and do it in a way that I believe is the best way to do it. Great answers, ladies. And our final question, uh, with the uh, seasons uh, changing, we're getting into the, the, the winter season in which is going to um, it's going to bring forth some inclement weather, as as we all know. I mean, that's usually what happens during the winter time. And even back in first quarter of this year, we had some extreme weather conditions that trickled over into the spring. It seemed. Mm-hmm. Did any of these weather uh, challenges affect your business, or do you for- foresee any seasonality in your business, Mrs. Rideout? I'll start for you. For the construction industry, during the months of November to about the end of February, it's our slow period. You tend to do all your maintenance and and closing out documents of previously, you know, jobs that you've had on board are closed. So usually that is our slowdown period. But the month of March and moving forward is our increase, our climate start opening. So you know how some government agencies say their jobs start from July to July of next year? Well, really, they the construction industry, November to end of February, is our slow period. So what you try to do is have work, enough work, in your backlog so you will not feel that effect. So that's really what we do. Marlene? We have, based on the particular areas of law, we do have seasons. Um, and um, try, I think one of the biggest mistakes that business owners make is not recognizing the seasons in your business. You have to understand if you don't, you're going to always end up being broke, you know, at certain points of the year. And you're going to say, well, why am I always broke in September? It's because people don't come to you in September. That's why. Um, and I think that the soon, the quicker you identify what your seasons are, and you make a plan around that. Um, I think that it helps you to have more sustainability over time. Um, for instance, in the legal field, uh, if you have to pay an attorney, people generally don't come to attorneys between July and September and between November and January. The reason for that is because you're going on vacation and you're saving for Christmas, which is it's it's wonderful. But what we do in our firm is then we target certain cases to make sure that they're able to bring in income during those times. So we we set up our personal injury accidents to settle during those times, our state cases. And, you know, we plan out um, payment plans so that they will be consistent during that time. Um, because you want to make sure that even though you have certain seasons, that you're able to maintain yourselves um, during those seasons and to really be able to grow if you can during those seasons. And then the other thing that you do is in those down seasons, you make sure you include that into your plan so that you make more during your up seasons Mm -hmm. so that you have some savings because even though financing is good, you still need savings because when you use financing, you got to pay that back. And so if you're already in a downturn, you don't want to put, um, Put yourself in a worse position. So you want to make sure that you can keep the finance payments going during the slow seasons. But you want to make sure you have not only financing, but you want to make sure you have savings and you have other growth products, not just a business savings account, but you want other growth products like CDs and money market accounts and even some investments for your business so that that can help you as another way to sustain during the seasonal highs and lows of your business. Thank you, Attorney Johnson and Mrs. Rosalind. I totally agree with the ladies. Um, for some reason, somebody believed that the hair business is always booming at Christmas time. That is truly a myth. Um, my team constantly asks me, especially new teams, are we going to do this for the salon? Are we going to have Christmas parties? Are we going to have like all these tools and everything setting out? And what I try to explain to them is we'll have the minimum amount. And because... For me, whatever's on my shelf at the end of the year get taxed, and I'm not trying to pay taxes for things sitting. If the things are gone, then that's another thing. So we kind of scale back a little bit, which the things that we have, we'll package them. You know, if you buy four of this product, you'll get the in-salon service free. So we give it a dollar value. So it's a $40 in-salon service, so it almost takes $10 off 
the luxury high-end product of each. So it's like you're saving. Um, we think about the summertime. Most people are swimming, so we do other things like UV protectants and um, packaging, just come in and get a cut or just a neaten up or little things like that to buffer those seasons. I've been in this industry for a long time, and those you guys are right on it. Those times are consistent in my business as well. Um, when we see a big boom, it's right right around February, March. People want to change because the wintertime, they've been in the house all day. And then right after the summer, they're getting back into work mode, professional mode. So um, it works the same. So being in the business this long, I know what to do at those times, especially when tax time is coming again in January, February. <laughs> So um, just keeping the cost low, um, my numbers used to be 12 of the high-end product that sell the most, but I reduced all my numbers on my shelf. The least, um, least expensive thing that people leave a lot, I buy two of, because you should have one or two on a shelf in case somebody take one, and nine times out of ten, they take both. And then my high things that sell a lot of, I keep six. I used to keep 24. So my retail is always looking like it makes you want to shop because that's the key. You have to create the experience of I want to shop here. So we have lights over certain things. We have the ingredient conscious things over there. We have the men's section back there. So we try to keep that mindset of you are the consumer and you like for me I'm a Nordstrom shopper when I do shop I haven't shopped in a while but I love the presentation of it's always clean it's well lit someone is you know giving us tissue paper bringing me other options so that's the way I set my salon I'm actually I follow their business model and it has been helping with retail so um those are my slow months so I agree thank you very much mm-hmm. ladies for all of your insight and uh for your 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 hands-on experience in the various industries, we've had representation from the legal, professional services industry, construction, contracting, and even retail. And so this has been a great presentation, a great forum. We thank you for participating. And on behalf of BNC, uh, we, we appreciate uh, your insight. And we also like to thank Enoch Pratt, Free Library, for making this podcast possible. Ray, would you like to have words? I want to thank you for coming out. Uh, it was very, very interesting. Uh, I, I learned a lot from listening to uh, you. And as a business librarian, I'm always interested in what business entrepreneurs uh, are experiencing. It helps me be able to provide uh, the right resources for uh, entrepreneurs in Baltimore. Um, and, you know, I, I'm just curious real quick, if you don't mind, um, do you have you used the Enoch Pratt Library for your business in any way, shape, or form? It hasn't been years for me. Years. And I mean, and that was when I needed a business plan. Uh huh. And, um, or when I was looking to check out the occupational handbook. That was years ago. Mm-hmm. And what I found was my business plan wasn't getting the right attention of the bankers. So I kind of went after our commercial banker to see exactly what is it that you guys were looking for. So now that I know, I forgot all about this resource, and it's very helpful, so I will be coming back. Thanks for even reminding me that these sources are available. I haven't used uh, the library system in quite some time. However, I do recommend you to... um, my new startup businesses and those looking for expansion all the time. You know, I say one of the best ways to save money and learn is to go to the library, check out a book, follow the instructions. Because what I found is that even as an attorney, there's only so much information I can give within a one hour consultation. And they don't want to keep paying to come to me to spoon feed them the information. And my clients feel a lot better when I'm able to give them that resource. And so the Enoch Pratt Library has been a wonderful resource to the business owners and those who are interested in delving into business in Baltimore. So I want to say thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm Claretta. Yes, I, when I started my business back in 1999 um, through 2001, I lived in this library. Um, research, I'm a researcher before I delve in and spend my money I gotta do the research and I'm an avid book reader when it comes to finding other people who have done what I've done so when I was researching different books this is where I would come instead of going to 
Barnes and Nobles to pay for the book. I had that habit too. I used to buy a book, and then someone told me, you know, the library had most of those books. Mm-hmm. So when they did, when they told me that, I I lived in the library. Actually, not far from where I lived, there's a library um, in Catonsville. However, the books they wouldn't have it because I had to have it and have it now. I would have to come down here to get the book. So, yes, I lived in and out. I also coach and, and recommend other small and would-be entrepreneurs. I seem to be one of Baltimore City's and other local municipalities resource for anyone who's coming into construction. They usually send them to call me. And then I found myself on the phone a lot of time talking to those people. And I said, look, do you have a business plan? And if they tell me no, I said, well, go down to the library if you, and, and they can help you. you know. And then they said, well, you went to Web. I went to Women Entrepreneurs of Baltimore. And I told them, I said, everyone can't get in. So just because you don't make it there, the library is a great source for you. So I'm always recommending the library. I love the library because... Basically, any kind of information there's possibly that I need is here. So, and I always get more information than I'm looking for when I come here. So, I thank you also. Well, thank you. You know, I, uh, to, just to finish it off, um, I always, whenever I do a presentation, I always try to describe information this way. Uh, when you go, for instance, to buy a pair of sneakers. Someone had to design those sneakers. Someone had to make those sneakers, distribute those sneakers, and a retailer has to sell them. Information is the same way. Most information or any valuable information is actually created. It just doesn't happen. Uh, You have database, you have rating agencies, you have database companies that uh, bring uh, information together in places. you have uh, economists who come up with uh, you know, uh, analyses of the economy, all that kind of information that you use in your business plan. And it's expensive. It's mm-hmm. very expensive information. Yeah. I mean, some of our databases go for $35,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So I always like to say, that's free to you. Mm-hmm. That's $35,000 value is free to you because of the the library. So it's always a point I always, always make in my presentations to business owners. And once they understand it that way, it really becomes, I don't know, it just brings the, uh, you know, the impact of it home. But again, thank you very much for coming out. Thank you. Thank you.